Well, good afternoon. This is Dr. Jana Price-Sharps, and you are listening to Mind Pilot. I am a first responder psychologist and faculty member in forensic psychology. And I am here today again with Dr. Matthew Sharps, and we are going to be talking about changing how you do things once you identify some areas that you need to work on. But first, I'd like our guest to introduce himself. You may have heard him on other podcasts, but I'd like you to reintroduce yourself if you can. Yeah, I'm Professor Matthew Sharps. I work mainly in the area of forensic cognitive science, which is how thinking, memory, and language apply to contexts like investigation and even training for such things as bomb detection. I've worked as a consultant in several hundred uh, criminal cases and also in consulting with law enforcement in a variety of different settings. And I'm the author of a book that I'm going to talk about a little bit today, Processing Under Pressure, published in 2022, that's the third edition, by Loose Leaf Law. That's wonderful. I'm glad you're here today, sir. So, we have been talking on this podcast about different ways that first responders can begin to change some of their behavior. So, home life goes better. They're not... Um, as amped up as they usually are, they get, they're getting some better sleep, that kind of thing. And one of the uh, things that you do really well in your book is you talk about that change process and what that requires of the brain. And, and I believe you call it gestalt uh, and feature intensive processing. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And so can you talk a little bit about what that means, and I'll see if I can give some clinical examples if people uh, get a little lost in the research. Sure. We find that most cognitive processing, most thinking, operates on a continuum between what we refer to as gestalt and what we talk about as feature-intensive processing. Now, right now, I'm looking at a table with a lot of different items on it, okay? And if I were to process that in a gestalt way, I'd be looking at the whole thing, and I'd say, oh, there's a table with a lot of stuff on it. If I had to process it in a feature-intensive way, I'd be going, okay, here's a soda can, and there's a soda can of a different type, and here are the controls for this system, and here's the microphone, et cetera, et cetera. I'd be processing feature by feature. Now, why that's important is this. Often in a situation, the features are very important. Law enforcement listeners here, if you think about whether or not somebody is holding a cell phone or a gun, well, you really need to get that feature-intensive processing right, all right? But most of the time, gestalt processing is good enough, and that's what we tend to do. When we're driving through traffic, we tend to process the traffic as the cars move by us without noticing very much about them. If, as a law enforcement officer, you're looking for specific people, though, you might be... uh, excuse me, you might be wanting to look for a specific license plate. In the world of fire operations, for example, uh, virtually no firefighter is going to be coming into a situation with these horrible fires we have in the California forest and going, oh, there is a burning, there, there is a forest fire. That's what people driving by may be doing. But the firefighter has to be looking at this in feature intensive terms. What's, our, what's the topography like? Can we use a bulldozer here? Can we use aviation here? Are people too close 
close to the fire line to bring in aviation, so on and so forth. Once you're in the midst of it, obviously you're looking for a variety of cues to the nature of the fire that non-firefighters aren't even going to understand. Now, why that becomes important is then that since gestalt processing is easier in general than feature-intensive processing, that's what we tend to do. And so if we have the habit of mind, for example, if we're a first responder, we have the habit of mind of controlling our fire line or our crime scene by giving orders, by using command presence, well, then we get home to our family and do the same thing. Uh, the kids start running away and the spouse starts wondering about, uh, you know, very, various, various, uh, various aspects involved in divorce. Okay. So the trick here is then to be using enough feature intensive processing to go to yourself, you know... I am not on the fire line. I am not now in that alley dealing with that undercover situation, whatever your service is, to recognize I am now home. I need to alter my behavior in very feature-intensive ways, not just the features of this table or the features of a forest on fire, but the features of my behavior, my kid's behavior, my wife's behavior, my husband's behavior, the behavioral elements as these interact with the environment of being in the home instead of in the field. That makes a lot of sense. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, we primarily function on gestalts. So I remember when I first years ago started to drive a stick shift and it was horrible. You know, I pushed in the clutch and then I pushed in the, uh, the gas and then it, and the car died on me and I, you know, I had to keep repeating that process. And then finally I got it down. Now, if somebody asks me, how do you know when to shift? I wouldn't be able to tell them. I'd say something like, well, you know, the change in the sound of the engine and it might be around this many miles per hour, that kind of thing. But I, I wouldn't be able to tell them in a future intensive way without really thinking about it because I do it on automatic so I think a lot of what I have seen clinically is when people go home, they're still functioning on automatic. For instance, I believe you spoke about in another podcast about somebody coming home and interrogating their five-year-old without really thinking about, you know what, this really isn't a police call or this, this isn't an emergency response. This is my five-year-old. You know, so how do you begin to switch that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Without meaning to be religiously offensive in any way, we have what we call the Holy Trinity of training. And this seems to apply in a variety of different areas, areas as disparate as literally um, training people to look for IEDs in counterterrorism environments and also to function in clinical and in family settings. Now, what we want here is uh, to have a prior explicit feature-intensive framework for our behavior. Now, let me break that down into what makes sense here. The prior framework is this. You come home, it's no good saying to yourself after you've got the kids crying and your spouse has stormed off into the night to say, oh, I should have behaved in some other way. You want at the door to be going, ah, I am now at the door of my house. I must now change my behavior. It has to be prior. You have to have a prior framework for dealing with what you are going to do. Secondly, it has to be explicit. If somebody just tells you, be a better parent, 
Well, exactly how? What are you going to do? You know, it's like a therapist grabbing you and saying, you know who you are? Don't be like that. Now, what am I going to behave like? Well, what's my prior framework? I am a detective. I am not supposed to interrogate people in a fluffy Santa Claus-like way. I ask direct questions, and I'll ask them in a relatively unsettling manner. But that's my prior framework for a detective. As I'm coming into my home, my prior framework is I am not functioning as a detective. I am functioning as a parent. Therefore, I will ask the kid. I will modulate my tone of voice, ask the kid, how did you do at school today, etc., etc. I won't do the rapid-fire follow-ups of the investigative context, and I will behave in this manner in a feature-intensive way. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a term might be mindfulness here, in that I am going to be observing my own behavior as I speak to the kids, as I speak to the spouse, and also observing their responses to how I'm speaking. If I come to the family situation with the prior explicit feature-intensive framework that although I am professionally a detective, I'm not a detective in this context. I am the mother or father, and therefore these will be the ways in which I'll monitor my own behavior and their responses to my behavior. Now, I think your, your point about driving was very, very good there, because the fact is once you're a good driver, Driving becomes the smooth gestalts of the good driver. You're not thinking to yourself in a feature-intensive manner, oh, I must hold the key upright to get the car to start, I need to turn it clockwise, etc., etc. If you're doing that, you'll never get the car started. Things become automatic with practice. That's what the brain is designed to do. And your automatic behaviors in the field, whether you are a police detective or a SWAT person or some of these terribly dangerous occupations in the fire service, okay, where you have a specific set of, of commands and the way you must interact with your people in the field, in the fire service, for example, reading the terrain, reading what kind of equipment will work here. If this equipment gets stuck, can we chain it up to a bulldozer, get it out of there, et cetera, et cetera. You have to be thinking that in all those ways. Well, then you get home. You simply don't have to chain up any of your children and drag them out of a bad situation behind a bulldozer. It's not the right context. And so to have a prior explicit feature intensive framework for that context, that's what allows you to have more success in the family and in the social settings. And that really is comes to the point of what I believe therapy is about, is to begin to provide that framework for people and, and develop it with them so that they know exactly what does it look like when I come home and I'm a parent, not a first responder. And, and you have to almost be able to see that in your mind to make that happen. What does a good parent do? You made that comment, well, be a better parent. Well, what the heck does that mean? You know, and, and so really taking it out and looking at it feature by feature. Okay, a good parent isn't screaming at the kid. When the parent is, is very upset and can't hold their temper, they go take a walk. You know, those are, are good parenting skills. But if you don't do it in a feature-intensive manner, and you're not aware of the impact of adrenaline on your system and fight or flight on your system, you're not, you're just going to be respond. you're going to be reacting, not responding, I guess is what I want to say. You know, so I think that this is a really important aspect of beginning that change process to understand that the more you practice a new behavior, the better you're going to get at it. But to practice it, you first need to 
figure out what that behavior should look like. You need to do it in a very feature-intensive manner. What does this mean? What are the different pieces of this? And, and so often people discount what the kids are saying or the spouse is saying. You're yelling at me. No, I'm not yelling at you. Well, maybe from their perspective, you are yelling at them. And if you want to have a better relationship, then maybe the two of you figure out a plan for that rather than just getting mad at each other for that. So I hope this was helpful. I I truly hope that you do listen to the other podcast with Dr. Sharps, who's going to be a frequent visitor on this podcast, about the role of adrenaline and fight or flight, because this really does drive a lot of this behavior. So I hope this was helpful. And I hope you have a wonderful day. This is Dr. Jana Price Sharps with Mind Pilot. And I hope you subscribe to this. And please feel free to leave your comments. Have a wonderful day.